And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall joined by the whole crew. RB, serial killer, Uncle Gene. Voice, as always. How are we doing? Uh, Jay Wall, it's good to be back uh, on the pod. Trying to make a uh, more regular appearance when possible. Currently up in Boston on the, the True Spec World Tour, I feel like. Making that bank. You need a t-shirt made, like World Tour with all the locations on it and where you're at. That'd be fun. I'd do like a Carmen San Diego or like a Where's Chris thing uh, instead of Where's Waldo. Just Play a little game. The, That'd be fun. Yeah. Where in the uh, in the company is is Chris? Where bouncing around to some location. We know where Gene is. Gene's sunny in <laughs> sunny Vegas this time right now. I I am in Vegas and uh, I've got a great story. So I teed it up at Tuscata yesterday. Beautiful golf course. Wind was blowing like forty five miles an hour, and. Um, was playing with this uh this business partner and we got paired with this guy and uh so the, my partner and I we were talking on the on the you know the the practice range and the putting green and we saw the guy but we were going to go introduce ourselves on the first tee and you know my voice isn't exactly the most quiet you know so I'm you know rambling on and on and on so we get to the first tee and I walk up and I go hi I'm Gene and he goes, are you on a pod? <laughs> I went, and I, I was like, I was like stunned. And I was like, I had this like stunned look on my face. And he goes, I recognized you on the driving range from your voice. <laughs> I went, the, the, wow. the washed up jock. The washed up jock. So uh, shout out to Charlie from Baton Rouge or Red Stick, as I like to say. But uh, yeah, he's an he's an avid listener from Louisiana and uh, just randomly ran into him on the golf course. And so, of course, had to pick my brain on uh, golf balls. And he was playing a set of Mavericks rentals. He was out here for a real estate convention. He's like, what do you think are the lofts on these? <laughs> he's just five iron. I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm off the clock. <laughs> Gene's ego after that conversation had to have been too big for the well, golf course. The best, <laughs> the best part was the guy that I was playing with has been giving me grief about the pod. He's like, "You're not on a real pod," and he's just giving me all kinds of grief about this. And so the fact that the fact you're that not I on a real fan. pod, this is not a real <laughs> podcast. It's not a real podcast. No, it's not. It's not even a thing. Not even a thing. So it's, oh, nice to know, it's nice to know we have listeners out there. We, at least we have enough pull that when we talk about golf clubs, they win major championships. Maybe that's, that's true. It, right? It's you true. talk Nike. What are we going to talk about this week? We should, has anyone got any, like, I don't know, McGregor stuff in the bag still? We'll just <laughs> spew that out there and see what happens. Throw it into the world. I'm just grateful that Gene's actually feeling well enough to talk last week for those of you that actually listened to last week's podcast i should pay you because it was just a lot of me rambling and then gene like intermittently going yeah i agree <laughs> that was it yeah I, he was like closing his eyes i was i was sure that he was gonna die i was gonna gonna be the first time ever that somebody was gonna die on a podcast i i looked at i looked at um i looked at the clip that was put for that podcast and I actually lost my train of thought like mid sentence, and I didn't even care to get it back. <laughs> it was just like hanging out there. Like someone, the please, someone, please just kill me right now. <laughs> it soon. looked like it was about to happen last week. <laughs> I'm back, man. Saltine crackers. Hey, that's a hack. You lose 10 pounds in a week due to a stomach virus, force them down your throat. It's liquid cement, man. I'm telling you, Dr. Gene in the house. Fair well, as RB mentioned, there there was a little bit of golf played last week. RB was actually there, although I think you spent more time in the in the equipment trucks than you did actually out on the golf course on Wednesday. It, it seemed like it was a little bit cold at Oak Hill. It was it was cold, uh, especially on the Wednesday morning. There, uh, they did have a frost delay for the practice rounds, but I was I was determined to make it out there and see the golf course. It's not very often we have major championships so close. So that was a less than three hour drive across the border, which was nice. I got to listen to last week's podcast. Or was it last week's podcast? No, no, I guess I listened to it later on in the week, but uh, I did actually like listen to it. Um, but, you know, get some podcasts in, get over there really quickly. Uh, I just taken the golf course. Uh, it was really cool. It was, it was a, I mean, the golf course looked amazing. And, 
the big thing was, which which I know we touched on last week, was a lot of high locked fairways. You did a little video on that as well. You can check it out on the on the golf.com the uh like main instagram feed so we made a reel about talking about just why fairy woods are so useful out of the rough versus other golf clubs and yeah you know there's there's a lot of stuff out there i can't really like get into it you know it's kind of like the you know under really truly behind the curtain stuff not like where jonathan is right now but behind the curtain of like, somebody like, gonna pay my one hundred thousand dollar ransom by the yeah. way <laughs> we'll get it there i i'm in a war-torn country and I, i've been captured as you can see by the uh black curtain behind me we'll we'll send yeah, a briefcase this, case. this I'm is, at Colonial. This is just, just like in all seriousness I, I i am at a golf tournament today but yeah. it does look like i'm being held held captive so it is getting to that time of year where like stuff in the vans truly is like prototype product that is going to either come out next year or come out at the end of the end of this year that players are just getting a look at that engineers are, are sending to the vans for, do you like the look of this? Do you like the look of that? What do you think of transitions? If we're talking about top lines or souls or all of these different things, you know, speaking more uh, outside the abstract here. Uh, so I got to take a couple looks at those things and uh, it's, it's interesting to hear the process. I think when stuff comes out, it's always that interesting part of like the storytelling of like where it comes from and to see the early part of that. Again, this is kind of the second time of the second cycle of, of this that I'm seeing now. And in some cases, it's the first cycle for a lot of these companies that have actually kind of witnessed this, this process. It's, it's neat. And I think, First of all, I think there's some stuff that a lot of people are going to like, a lot of things that people have been really asking about from a lot of companies. And, and I think what this really goes to show is OEMs listen to the consumers because there are things that people want and they know there are cycles within different product ranges that, okay, we should probably add something like this or we had something like this before. We need another product that kind of fits into this category. And because of consumer buying cycles, because of what pros like to play, and, and you see it from clubs that have stuck around in players' bags, like you know the, the Kepka three iron or the one Tony Finau uses as well. So those products have uh, real power with the companies because they see what's working and what these pros want. And that filters down. And I think there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people are, are really going to like. Can I tell you a funny story? It's, it's, it is really interesting that you're talking about this RB because I had a conversation with the tour rep this week here at colonial. And I was asking him, I said, what, what's this time of the year like? And he's like, man, it's, it's pretty quiet. You know, you're not going to get a lot of changes the week of a major. And as you mentioned, it's, it's mostly just having guys test prototypes. But he told me that, uh, and I'm going to give it's going to, I'm going to give this away. It's fine. But he said that they do a lot of work with John Rom on having him test prototypes because Rom, obviously, if, if Rom likes it, that's a good thing. But Rom's told him, hey, look, if you have anything, and it's good, don't give it to me unless I can have it. So that they, they run into this conundrum of you can't really test with ROM the week of a tournament or even mm-hmm. like really like the early like lead up to a product coming out when you're like, oh, we have enough runway for guys to test and off of feedback. We need to make changes. You can't do that with ROM because if he really likes the prototype, he's going to want to take it and he can't take it. So uh, there, therein lies a, a a real issue for this equipment company. But um, yeah, it, it, that's actually I did talk to a few other reps, and they said the exact same thing. It's, it's prototype season, and and that's what we're getting into is is you know the very early prototypes, the ones that you know RB. I'm sure you saw it. It's it's all the ones that have no names on them. They're all just a, a naked sole. If it's a if it's a fairway wood or a driver. They look really cool because we love to see their early prototypes. But yeah, it's all the stuff that the pros can see and hit, but they can't use in competition. I mean, we even when we went to Callaway for the Paradigm launch and we did the the testing with the Josh and Josh for like the irons and the ferry woods and driver and everything. You had you had a, you had an unmarked sample because you're a lefty, so they didn't I'm have anything for you to hit. Yeah. So like that was kind of another interesting element of this, like. No logos on the golf club. It, it was just like the actual performance features that were needed. I don't to even know if it was work. like the final version. Yeah. It, and it looked, like, yeah, it looked a little bit different. And I can remember back at the US Open last year uh, at the country club where they had Paradigm Fairywoods in the van, like adjustable hosel, all that stuff. And they were unmarked. They they didn't have any, absolutely any branding on them at all. And 
I was like standing there and I was talking to Johnny when I said, what are those? And he goes, Oh yeah, we're just you know, doing some testing. And that's the idea, right? Like we do get this peek behind the curtain. Uh, but a lot of times, like they're not giving us information. It's like, you know, this is something that we're working on and that's it. Right. And you know, we can, don't take you know, pictures. I really like my job. So I'm like, you know, I talk about what I can talk about, don't take uh, of pictures. course. Um, and there is that. Yeah, exactly. There's no pictures. There's no phone. Hey, oh, by the way, don't take pictures. Put the, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I said, I said to the one guy in the, uh, the unmarked van, I was like, uh, don't worry. I, I won't, I won't post any of these online. And he goes, well, you could, if you really wanted to, but you're never coming back in here ever again. And I was like, okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. That has to be kind of bittersweet for a, a staffer or a marquee player like Rom to where you have an opportunity to see all of the newest, latest and greatest and have direct feedback that influences the direction of a product. But then at the same time, to Wall's point, it's like here you have your gamer setup that you're out winning golf tournaments with, and you know that there's something waiting in the wings that is definitively better than what you have, but you can't put it in play. I mean, from a tour specter or oh. from a, a tour player's perspective, like what does that do to the psyche to know that there's something over here on deck that's better than what you have, but you can't play with it? It's yeah, like the uh, well, what is it? Wolf of Wall Street. One of us. One of <laughs> yeah. us. One of us. You know, they're just they're sickos like us. If they get, if there's something new out there, we want to try it. So. Yeah, but you also want to play it, and that—that that is again the, the the toughest part. I mean, it's happened before. I remember when uh, Titleist most recently launched their their last T series line, and you know Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth were like, "Hey, I want to play these irons," and it's like, "I, I can't can't play them yet. They're they're not even out." And that was difficult for those guys because again, they yeah. see something it's better than what they have in the bag. They want to play it. I mean, they're, they're playing this game for a living. So, yeah, that's it's it's a it's a it's a difficult difficult conundrum for the equipment manufacturers and for the pros. But again, you need their feedback. You want their feedback because that's going to ultimately shape these products that are coming to market. And you know, yeah, sure, the the consumer has. I would agree with you to some extent, RB. The consumer has some pull in in some of those designs. But man, the, the tour pros, they they have so much pull in the development of these products. I mean, with the exception of the the real game improvement stuff, when it comes to the better player and even the mid handicapper stuff, they're they're really pulling the strings there. All right. Well, I did mention Oak Hill. There was a golf tournament played last week. Brooks Kepka is your champion at the 2023 PGA Championship. Um, I would go through his bag setup, but I'm going to let somebody else who knows a little bit more about it do that later in the podcast. We have Rob Waters, who's the PGA Tour manager for Cleveland Shirks on Golf. He's worked extensively with Brooks on his gear, and I had a chance to go deep with him on Brooks' setup this week at Colonial inside the Cleveland Shirks on Tour truck. So let's save that for the end of the podcast. But there is one club in the bag, boys. Oh, you know it's coming. It's, it's the bad it. penny that just keeps we, turning up. Yes, we got to talk about it. <laughs> Nike Vaporfly Pro, that lovely three iron, is back in the spotlight. It is a major champion once again. Nike hasn't made golf clubs since 2016, but the hell with it. It's 2023 and Nike is still winning majors. I posted something on social media about that that just blew up. And it just reminded me how much people love Nike golf. I think it's that they love Nike golf, but they also love... They love the fact that old clubs are still winning majors. And we'll get to another old club here in a minute. But again, I think it's cool that Nike's still out there. It's still relevant. We're still talking about it in 2023. As, as RB mentioned, it's also in Tony Fina's bag. What the, what the hell is it with this golf club, man? It's the only one. It's like a cockroach. It will not die. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm positive that 10 years from now, it's still going to be in somebody's golf bag. Materials, center of gravity, a good fit. That's all it is. That's the whole thing, right? And for for these players, and there's one. If there's one thing that it's like, you can draw a parallel between Tony and and Brooks, and it's like they both want a club that they can they can flight. They are both players that have a tremendous amount of clubhead speed, and that's really what it comes down to. They're using different shafts in them and all that stuff. But I mean, and it, I'm 
obviously aesthetics. It looks, it fits their eye. And I think when you bring all those three things together, when you're talking to even like average consumers, if you like it, stick it in the bag. And I know from a fitting perspective, I can think of multiple times where, you know, I've been in a fitting situation and a, and a customer or player would come in and we just talk about like what's in their bag right now. What do you like? What don't you like? And if there's this one club they like, whether it be a club that they use at their home course on like a particular part three or on an approach or off a tee shot or something like that, then the conversation is like, well, do you want to replace this or are you really comfortable with this? Because we could probably beat it, but if you really like it, we can work around that and we can kind of build your set around it. And I think for a lot of the the tour techs, like they're just like, do you like it? Great. We're not, we're not messing with it. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's the approach that works for tour players. It's the it's approach that works for average golfers. If you have something that really works, stick with it, but you can still build your golf bag around it, which I think is really important. I mean, I would agree with that a hundred percent. It's, it really comes down to checking that box of any particular piece of equipment, a player's bag, it has to check on the player side, look, sound, and feel. And all of those things are subjective. Visual perception is subjective to the individual. Feel is subjective to the individual. And as long as there's a confidence level there, and it's something that they have the ability to produce consistent shots with, they know what the club's going to do. I mean, it's really tough to get that particular part out of their bag. I think, I think the one thing too, like, I know, cause we're going to get to like golf balls and stuff and some other things here, but like, you know, it's the one club that a lot of players aren't going to change that often, but you no, know, the one thing they will change on that golf club is the grip. Here you go, Gene. <laughs> and we have to let you know that oh, golf ride is Gene, not. Well, Gene, will you stop enabling him? <laughs> just, just stop. He's so I don't, I don't, good. He's stop so giving good, him though. the plaudits for I'm like his biggest fan. And you know you what? Are. I forgot that we I forgot we even had a sponsor this week until he jumped in. I was like, whoa, that was impressive. So I had it's to give gross. him a golf clap for that one. <laughs> Brooks Kepka is a player that uses a, a mid-size uh, tour tour velvet cord. Um, but there's there's a lot of other options out there when it comes to grips and you have to remember the grip is not just a grip. It is a part, it's a performance piece of your golf equipment and fully equipped is brought to you by golf pride, which we are happy for their support. And the thing is too, this is now we can, we can say it. They can't say it. it's two in a row when it comes to major championships for golf, right? So they've, they, they took down the masters. They took down the, uh, the U S or I almost said U S open there. Um, the PJ championship with Brooks Kepka, but you know, if you're not looking for that ultimate traction with something like the MCC or the BCT cord or the Z-Grip, there are other options available, including, you know, the CPX and the CP2. The CPX is their newest uh, and softest performance grip using multiple textures to create something that is, is not only comfortable, but when you have something that is comfortable, you get to hit golf balls longer, you get to practice longer, and your hands aren't going to hurt, and you're going to reduce unwanted vibrations when you do happen to miss hit it because we all do uh, now if you are curious to try any of these grip options you can go to golfpride.com use the code fully equipped that is f-u-l-l-y-e-q-u-i-p-p-e-d and you get free shipping on your next order that is available for all orders within the united states and we should mention as well because i think this is really important they've also got a new grip out if anyone is curious to try, it's called the Tour Tack Tour Velvet. It was something that was a grip that was used on tour. It is now available online in limited quantities as well. So they've taken something, just like we talked about earlier, using tour player feedback, using something that players really enjoyed using, and now they're offering it to consumers as well. So whether it is the new Tour Tack Tour Velvet or it is something like Z Grip or ZPX or anything like that, go to golfride.com, use code fully equipped and get free shipping on your next order. There is no minimum order required. All right. So RB, his his smooth transition there with the ad read. Thanks again to Golf Pride for sponsoring the pod, by the way. Uh, you won't let me talk about Nike anymore, but you know what? I'm gonna still talk about all golf clubs because that's what I do. And we're gonna talk about another golf club. So when I showed up at Colonial yesterday. Number one on my list of things that I wanted to get done is I wanted to get some in-hand photos of Michael Block's equipment setup. That's all I wanted to do. If you don't know who Michael Block is, he is the 46-year-old club pro who had a dream week at Oak Hill, a week that any club pro, I would have to say, would, would take. I mean, so Michael Block is one of the top club pros in the country. 
his name is, I mean, he's usually in the PGA championship field because he's a damn good player and he qualifies, you know, almost year in, year out. But the man, he, he could not miss. I mean, for a club pro, I say that, I mean, he could not miss. He has a hole in one during the final round playing with Rory. He plays with Justin Rose, doesn't skip a beat. He's, he's got his whole block party in the in the stands cheering him on he i would say that he probably was the most popular player in the field last week it was just cool to see a club pro these are the guys that that get no credit for the work that they do these are the guys that are working in in the golf shop they're giving the lessons they're there from sun up to sundown just grinding making very little money by the way to see a guy who's a club pro have a week like that and for people to recognize him and to, like, to give him, you know, that kind of, of applause and to be cheering him on. It was the coolest thing, in my opinion, the coolest thing that I've seen in a long time in a major championship. Um, yeah, Brooks winning a major was pretty cool. And it, there's, a, there's an interesting storyline there now that he's a live guy. But Michael Block, that's the only thing I cared about. And lo and behold, I show up to the golf course and who's the first guy that I see? Michael Block. So I walk over to his bag and I'm, I'm taking a look and I ask him if I can shoot the irons and we're just kind of just idle chit chat. And he says to me, he goes, well, there's the, he goes, there's the seven iron that I made the hole in one with last week. He goes, somebody offered me $50,000 for it. I'm wow. like, well, I'm like, I'm taking pictures and I'm like, well, hold on. 50,000 for, for the set. He's like, no, just for the seven iron, just for the one that he made the hole in one with at Oak Hill. And he told me that until about 10 years ago, he wasn't even making 50K a year. So somebody out there is, is, is a big Michael Block fan, or maybe just a big fan of golf history, and they want that iron. But there's a problem here, boys. This set of 2014 Taylor made Tour Preferred MC irons, this is the only set of irons that he has used in the last decade, which is just amazing to me because... I mean, if, if any one of us was playing regular golf, there's no way those those grooves would last a decade. But he jokingly said, you know, he's like, he doesn't even hit a bucket of balls a week. So, you know, he's spending a lot of time giving lessons, but it was just the coolest thing to hold these irons. The, the old lead tape that he said, he, you know, we always talk about the importance of knowing where to put the lead tape. He fully admitted to me, he's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just kind of put it in spots. He's like, just look at my putter. He's like, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a feel guy. And I just kind of put it in spots where it feels good. And it's like, God bless this guy that he, he's so real and honest. He's not telling me he's like, you know, he's so technical in the spots where he puts it. He's just like, yeah, I don't really care. I just put it where it feels good and just let it rip. He, he was the, it was so much fun talking to him. He mentioned as well that he had 2,000 text messages that he had gone through. He had 1,600 more that were left unread. And his Nike rep told him, he's like, oh, by the way, there's one in there from Michael Jordan. But he hadn't found it yet. I, I've now heard that he has since found the text message. But I just thought it was hilarious. There's, there's an unread text from MJ. He's leaving MJ on unread. <laughs> um, anyway, just, just a cool story. But the seven iron boys, that was the, that was the story. 50K. Is there, I mean, if somebody offered you 50K for an iron in your bag, gone immediately. Exactly no what question. Block, what Block told me, he's like, I'll hand deliver it for 50K. You want the full set? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm not going to use it anyway. Just take it, I'll get a new one. It's all good. You can yeah. take the whole set if you really want for 50K. Well, so, when's he selling that seven iron? That's what I want to know. Maybe after, maybe because he's playing, he's playing this week, he's playing Canadian Open, and he also told me. The one tournament that he's the most excited about that he got an, an invite to was the European uh, or the Omega European Masters, the one that's played in Switzerland. Oh. With all the ski chalets around. Yeah. The one that I watch on the Golf Channel, and it's like every year I watch it just for, just to see the views. He's play, he got an invite to play in that one. Pretty awesome. So maybe after those, you say, hey, look, you, you still want this? Not only has this been used for the hole-in-one, but now it's been used in a couple other PGA Tour events and been used in switzerland here cut me a check for 50k and you can have it well the, so the, go, go ahead, go ahead. What, what do you got well, well no i was just gonna say the craziest part about the story is i read this interview and you know we preach on this you know and 
all I look at is performance, right? And, you know, Chris was talking about coming at it from performance and also the emotional, psychological aspects of how you look at gear. Uh, he, he admitted four years ago, he started putting lead tape on it. And he goes, I probably did that because the grooves were worn out and the clubs were feeling lighter. And, you know, he, yeah. he, he had all these, like, he had all this reasoning for it. And I'm reading this and I'm like, this goes against everything that we preach yeah. about, you know, yeah, about this. perfectly grooved clubs, you know, and, and, and the latest, the best technology. And what made it so incredibly refreshing is he goes, I just trust it and it feels good and 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 it works. So it it shows that there is some real kind of magic in this game that, you know, it 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 if he, now could he benefit from a, a, a set of irons that have full grooves? Absolutely. Would it change his game? I don't know, you know. I mean, he's obviously tailored his game to that set of irons and he has confidence in that under pressure situations. The most fascinating thing about him that I was reading from other tour pros is they were like, yeah, he did it on Thursday, Friday, but you know, how, how are you going to stand up when you're playing with Rose and McElroy and he didn't flinch, you know, he, he handled it under pressure and rain and everything else. So uh, that was the most fascinating part of the story to me it, is it shows if something really, really works and you're really good at it, you know, only change it if absolutely necessary. And and he's gotten to putting lead tape on to adjust because I'm sure it's affecting launch and spin because he's worn out, you know, the groove pattern so much. Um, but he's he's on a magical carpet ride, so more power to him. The irons are like his Homer Simpson bat card from the the stump of a tree that was struck by lightning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the wonder batter, I think or whatever it was called. I'm just oh here for gosh. I'm just here for movie references, guys. You, know, <laughs> and you, you think of something, and then I'll just I'll, I'll reference it to some type of movie at some point. <laughs> yeah, the this this set of irons though it was it it's going to sound ridiculous, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like there there are certain clubs that I've had a chance to shoot over the last like decade plus that I've been doing this, like Tigers. Scotty Cameron, obviously one of the coolest ones, but I was geeking out over these irons. Like it's definitely a top five moment for me. And just to see all the bag chatter and the, like the soles on these irons are just absolutely beat to shit. Um, the, <laughs> the old lead tape is used to the metal. It, it looks like it's almost kind of one, but you can just see the faint, like the darkness from the lead tape in the muscle pad but it's like not there anymore. I mean, if you were to try and run your finger on it, it's not like you're going to be pulling off lead tape. It, it just, it's, it, it, it's a reminder, you know, we do talk a lot about new technology and the benefits. And I will say like, there are a lot of benefits to new tech, but I think Michael blocks irons are a perfect example of if you have a set of irons that works, you know, yes. If you're playing with buddies that have new stuff, sometimes the like siren song of new equipment, it can be difficult to not want to at least try out the new stuff. And that's totally fine if you want to. But if you have something that works, just play with it. Even if it's a 10-year-old set of irons, if they work, just just do it. And and Michael Block does that and he does it, he does it pretty well. I think the the interesting contrast in his bag, other than the irons obviously being older, uh, was actually so he's got the the new Stealth 2 3-wood, but he has an M5 5-wood. So he's using the last time that TaylorMade had this like big honking weight on the – adjustable weight, sorry, on the bottom of a golf club. He had that in his 5-wood. So I'm curious if he still had that in the 3-wood before he switched to the Stealth 2. Uh, Stealth 2 Plus, sorry. But I did find that contrast very interesting because it's like both of these clubs have a, that big honking adjustable weight on the sole of it and how they interact with each other. That would that was the only thing where it was like in his bag as far as like what was really curious. That to me was probably the most interesting thing about it. That and the fact that like I really wish I didn't sell my or not sell. Sorry, I did give a I get to that. I I, I gave away the tailor-made raw hats that they gave me. I gave them to friends because I was like, you know, it's a cool hat, but like it just doesn't fit my head very well. Um, and of course they're selling on eBay for like 200 bucks now a piece because Michael Block wore them. And I'm like, damn, I had like I think three of those things. Why did I get rid of them? If I did know, like, obviously, like the that it would become some sensation, I would have kept them. Yeah. Like getting boxes of the laptop Pro V1s, and you're just like, well, how much are they selling for? Mm. Hmm. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. Uh, anyway, 
Michael Block is going to be playing with, I think he's uh, with one of the Cootie Boys, and I don't know. There was somebody. He Min actually Wu? is a pretty. Is it Min Wu? Yeah, Min Wu. Right, yeah, Min Wu's Min in Wu. the feature group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. I'm glad that they're putting him with some with some players. I would love to see him make the cut this week. He's going to have a lot. Yes. He's going to have a, like a really strong crowd. I would say the only two guys that will have bigger crowds will be Spieth and Scheffler, but Block will have a crowd. I would love to see him make a cut. Make a cut at a PGA Tour event would would be amazing. So I'm definitely pulling for him. I know in the media you're not supposed to, you know, cheer for the players. You're supposed to be unbiased, but I don't give a shit. Cheering for Michael Block, awesome dude, great story, and he just genuinely seems like he's enjoying the ride, and I think that's great. He's not taking himself too seriously, and he knows that this is just a dream run. So kudos to him for for enjoying it. All right. So we will talk about something other than old gear, I promise. Um, we we just released our robotic wedge data. And again, if you didn't get a chance to see last year's club test, we just did robotic data for drivers. This year, we are doing everything, including, Gene, I don't know if we talked about this, new golf ball. So we'll uh, we'll get to that in a, in a future pod. But I have to tell you, wedges for me were like truly fascinating because some of these wedges we've we've heard a lot about in the tech behind them. And I'm not going to name names because some of them it would be I would be dunking on them. But some of them touted having like some game changing groove technology that produced some unbelievable spin. <clears throat> the robot says otherwise, boys, and uh, I think that's what I love about the robot is. It it shines a light on on who's who's telling the truth and who's trying to sell magic beans. Yeah, it's unbiased. It's uninfluenced by any of the the natural biases that we have. It doesn't care about shape or optics or contrasts or anything. Anything that the human eye would pick up on or you know, cosmetically uh, kind of favor more than something else that might not be as visually pleasing per se. And we just get the raw data and actual performance numbers. So it's, it's always nice to kind of dive through that. And then it also, from a, a fitting perspective, somebody like myself or, or RB that's working with clients and working with gear helps us kind of have a compass in our back pocket and go, oh, okay, you're a heel striker. Well, we can see from all of this data that we've collected from testing all these different products, hey, these three heads perform, you know, exponentially better than everything else for your particular strike pattern same thing for high on the face low on the face or toe so it's it's nice to have that data and and kind of keep it in the back pocket for application in a fitting environment gene are you when you are testing stuff and you're out there uh, i know you're not always there present i believe for like every test but you're running right or you are you there when like people are doing all that stuff about 70 percent of the time okay so like from yeah, a, from a wedge for that stuff from a from a wedge perspective, I, I like have to take my naps. <laughs> yeah, that is true. When, when, the, true. when the robot's hitting shots, like is it? Like, I think we talked about in like the minutia of spin and launch and those kind of things. But at what point do you feel that you are seeing a difference in launch from your like just the human eye saying? Because we've seen it on the robot when we've hit balls outside and we've we've done videos right, on right. like at higher speed with three woods and all that stuff or seven woods and hybrids and irons and everything. But is there a couple degrees of launch that you start to see like, wow, that one actually like really launched lower or that one launched higher. Or is it more like, okay, that, I mean, I feel like there's a difference and then you dive into the data and it's like, okay, there it is. Yeah. It's that it's, it's a really good question. You can, uh, you can get kind of lost sometimes in, in, in looking at it. Uh, I, the way that I look, the way that I describe it is, uh, there's two types of pilot's license. There's VFR and IFR, visual flight reference and instrument flight reference. And I used to be a VFR guy that I was always looking at ball flight, but I've kind of graduated to an IFR guy that all I look at is data now. And IFR, you can fly through weather, you can do all these things because you've seen all the patterns. And so now you start to trust the data to the point that you don't need to see the ball flight anymore. Um, so I don't really look at it as closely. If there's something that, that we're trying to contrast, I will look at it just so I can get a sense of perspective. 
for this wedge test, it was really interesting. There's not a huge difference like there was in the seven irons. The seven irons, I mean, just and and you know, we went from players' blades to to game improvements. So, but still, the the gap in distance, the gap in launch, the gap in peak trajectory, they were just massive, massive. It was it it was tighter in the wedges, but there still was a range. And if Three you spin the ball to and launch, yeah. Yeah, and what was what was the spin? I, I don't the know. Difference in, the difference in spin was about between the the highest spinning and the lowest spinning was about um, was about fifteen hundred RPMs. All right, so that's I mean that's that's fifteen percent roughly because everything was I right know. at about ten grand. So um, so that's that's substantial in that if you're spinning too much and getting the ball to check up you might want one of these kind of lower spinning options relative and obviously if you're not spinning the ball enough you want to look on the other end um but i i i'm always kind of fascinated by the fact and that's why i think that what we're doing here with the testing is such a great service is to be able to provide that ladder and say hey if you know, if you need maximum spin, these are the wedges for you. If you spin too much, these are the wedges for you. If you hit it off the toe and are challenged, these are the wedges for you. And really kind of break that data down, at least to get you down to three, three to four choices. And then at that point, you know, you can go in and that's where Chris takes over and can then go, all right, now let's see, you know, what the what the soul construct is. How does that look to your eye? And, you know, all of the other uh, factors that come into bidding and getting a player to a certain point, but it really narrows the field down to, you know, a little bit more of a focused um, area that that you can really uh, concentrate on to, you know, try to maximize the performance for your game. I there think was the most, one. Sorry, I'm sorry, Darby. I say that the 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 one thing that stood out. I think this is probably you're going to say. I don't. I don't. I don't want to put the words in your mouth and tell me if I was very wrong. Was ball speed, and because yes. you had mentioned it. this to me and you told me that, like, because you had looked at the data before I looked at the data, and you said ball speed is like this crazy, like, like one thing that stands out. And you no, know, credit all credit to them because they did it before with the ES wedge, which is the one that was odd and it was like a little odd looking and it was hollow. And I'm thinking for, uh, from Mizuno. And they said, like, this wedge looks a little odd from the back, but from the front, like, from the top, it looks like a pretty much a standard wedge. It doesn't look game improved. It's not hugely oversized. But the um, the way that they shifted mass in a wedge to have it look traditional, I thought was kind of crazy. And, you know, they said that was the idea, and they they did it. <laughs> like, it was – what was the number again? It was, like, it was pretty insane ball speed difference. And I think yeah, I mean, when people miss around the face, that's important. For sure. And I, I would say of the wedges that we tested, the Mizuno S23 was, in my opinion, the most intriguing. It had the lowest launch at 30.8 degrees. It had the longest carry, no surprise there, 97 and a half yards of carry. That's I think the difference between the, the lowest and the highest, the highest being the S23, was 10 yards. Um, it also had the S23 had the highest ball speed at 83.6, and that was six miles an hour faster than the slowest ball speed. And ball speed isn't something that that we ever that we have you know I don't think we really ever talk about when it comes to wedges. But if you're a golfer, I know some golfers that struggle with you know launching it too high, spinning it too much. Um, I, I just I look at a wedge like this and I say. Yes, S twenty three. I could I could see it. You know, if if you're constantly having issues getting your wedges to the green, this is this is a great wedge to test. Just simply because it hits a lot of those, sorry, checks a lot of those boxes that you would want. It's fast. It's lower launching. It has to carry. It 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 should should deserve consideration if you if you're a golfer out there listening right now and you're like, oh yeah, that's me. I can't get my wedges to the green. I'm constantly struggling with spin and launch. This could be your wedge, potentially. Even like um, from a gap wedge perspective, and this is where I think, I think the ball speed, like if you're a golfer and like we're talking about the ball speed of a wedge, and it's like, yeah, it seems odd, but like, you know, that usually you think you driver for gapping or any of those things. Where do most people struggle with gapping, just like with like longer part of their golf bag to like the longest iron to like the hybrids or fairy woods is like trying to figure out ball speed and distance is the gap wedge. You know, 
do I use this one that matches the set? And we've seen players on the on the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour use the matching gap wedge because of the distance that it offers from a from a consistent ball speed perspective. And then they, they go into their other wedges. And this is the opportunity because I, I mean I got I just had a set the other day that I'm you know I'm, I'm going to be testing and it has a, a set gap wedge. So I'm kind of trying to like figure this out like which one I want to really mess with. But if it's the same loft, like why is my gap wedge like 20 yards shorter than my pitching wedge when it should be 10 yards or 15 yards? It's because of center of gravity locations, all these things. And when you have a wedge that shifts a ton of mass to more match and create ball speed and launch it lower, like a, a traditional set, like a nine iron or into that set matching pitching wedge, all of a sudden you have an opportunity where you can really tra truly transition almost in a weird way. Like the short end of your set has a hybrid into your traditional wedges, just like you would go to a hybrid and then into your fairy wood. So you don't get this massive gap. It's this weird thing, but it's such an important element of like how that all fits together. Yeah. It, it's again, a very, a very fascinating, uh, measurable for, for wedges ball speed, it's certainly not something until we started doing robotic testing that I would have ever considered. But I think, again, that's one of the beauties of doing robotic is it provides data and it gives you an, it gives you a better idea of, of, you know, a wedge that might potentially be a good option for your bag. Um, and then the S23, it felt like everything else kind of checked out where I thought it would. The, the other one that again, PXG has some really good products this year. Um, uh, we were talking most recently about their, their irons that perform very well in our robotic testing. The PXG 0311 Sugar Daddy 2 had the highest spin rate at almost 11,500 RPMs. Um, it just, their, their wedges, boys, I mean, it, it kind of goes with, I would expect that if their irons are good, the wedges are probably, probably pretty good. But, but those, that Sugar Daddy, which is the more expensive of the two wedges, because that thing is fully CNC milled. And the, I, have you ever seen the blocks of carbon steel that they use to make those wedges? They're massive. They're massive. And you, you get one wedge out of that block. So it's not cheap. But again, you get what you pay for. High spin wedge. If, you, if you're somebody that struggles. And we, it's not like we were testing these wedges. I should point this out. It's not like we were testing these wedges at, at tour, tour level swing speeds. I think, Gene, correct me if I'm wrong. This was 80 miles an hour, right? I mean, oh, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. yeah. So this is, again, the reason why we do these tests is, is to highlight wedges that would be a good option for weekend golfers that are on the slower end of the speed spectrum. Somebody that's on the slower end is going to typically tr struggle with not getting enough spin around the green. So the PXG 311, probably a pretty good option if you, if you are having trouble holding the green. Um, the, the usual, usual suspects are also low, you know, are also in there. Callaway Jaws Raw had the highest launch at 33.9 degrees. Uh, Vokey was was also included in there. They, they had, the, uh, next to the S23, they had the second fastest ball speed at 82 miles an hour. And then again, with high ball speed, they actually had the second highest carry at, at 95.6 yards. So anyway, if you want to check out all the insights that we have, we tried to break it down into different categories. Go golf.com i just recently updated the club test page on on the homepage, so you can find it easily just scroll down on golf.com homepage to the club test section look for the wedge robotic testing and go check out the insights all right one more topic before we call it a pod and get to rob waters um if you noticed last week there were guys wearing rain suits backwards caps it, it was it was a proper it felt like a proper open championship broke out at the PGA Championship, and it did make me wonder as we're watching these guys just try and extract golf balls from that rough, and it was pretty juicy. It, it makes me wonder, like, how does that affect spin? We've got we've got Gene on here. I'm sure he's done he's done tests before, probably done tests with Bryson on on moisture, but it doesn't it does make me wonder. I mean, that's one of those those variables that I'm not quite sure that you can really like nail down during a golf tournament, like how much is, is spin going to drop? But I figured we got Gene on here. So Gene, well, it's, what, it, yeah, what, it's, what's it, going on? It's a really good question. So I actually had Bryson out 
this was pretty early in his career and he was telling me about the things he struggled with. And one of the things he struggled with was early morning rounds that do on the ball, kind of the same thing and controlling his short game spin with wedges. So we took a spray bottle out and we would affect spin on a wedge by sometimes as much as 8,000 RPM, you know, and, but what was scary about it, was the ball would knuckle and it would do some really strange things. Um, and this was a spray bottle controlled, but what was really wild is we took a driver and we sprayed half the ball with water and the ball would take off in the opposite direction, like 30 yards. And then we did it on the other end. So, I mean, water now, granted, that's not the way water obviously falls on a golf ball, but water has a major effect on a golf ball. It's, uh, you know, kind of the lesson that I learned out of this is when it's raining, don't be as aggressive, play conservatively, because there is a huge X factor that you simply cannot control. And that's knowing, you know, and especially as, as hard as it was raining on Saturday. Now, as far as rough is concerned, it was really fascinating. Years ago, when there was the big controversy between U and B groups um, on wedges that the USGA changed the ruling, we uh, looked at that really closely. And what the USGA used as a test case for wet rough was basically paper mache. You took newspaper, you dipped it in water, and you put it on the face of the club. And that's how they were able to replicate the effects of rough. And once again, what I learned from that was, and this is under controlled conditions, is let's say you have a range when you hit a golf ball uh, dry, let's say a ball spinning at 8,500 on a robot, there'll be plus or minus about maybe two or 300 RPMs, really, really tight. But still, there's a little bit of variance, you know, just based on the golf balls and the robot. When you put something like paper mache, wet paper mache on there, you would go up to plus or minus seven, 800 RPMs. You'd get flyers. You'd get balls that would spin. You would just, the the randomness of how that golf ball would grab. And this is, once again, under controlled conditions, not in wet rough that you can't control. You don't know the thickness. You don't know the density of the water, et cetera. It, it just, it highlighted to me that, you know, when it's raining, when you have inclement weather, be much more conservative in the way that you approach the game because you cannot rely even with the same swing what that golf ball is going to do when it when it comes out. I I kind of made the joke on on Twitter uh, that if you looked at the leaderboard at one point, the top four players all had ping irons and they and wedges and they really talk about the hydrophobicity of their <laughs> of their wedges and the way that they create that that um yes like help that. and it, it was I, I said it and of course like i got some likes from ping engineers of course because they thought it was very funny and that's like they can't just write that but it may it did cause for interesting testing because there's there's been many times that it has proven that like you get those wedges a little wet and there's just something about them where they actually maintain spin better than a lot of other companies and did, did it work at the end for Victor? No, but you know, is that a, is, could it be a factor? I mean, it worked for Bry Bryson is a faster player as well. He has I two thirties, I think. Is it, yeah, I two thirties. So there, there are ways to counteract it when it comes from a technology perspective. But there, there's still like you say, like there's a massive amount of randomness. Gene's the original spritzer guy. <laughs> it's it was, <laughs> I was it was point that out. It, it, it it's just wild to see because you know you realize we we've, we've done a lot of rough testing and things like that and um yeah i mean you know and any golfer knows when you get in the rough but when you get in the wet rough man it it's mm -hmm. there's a lot of randomness that comes into play so you know know your miss have a safe, you know, area that you can land because don't don't go pin hunting with that. If you do, it it could be problematic. All right. I feel like that's a good place to end episode 191 of Fully Equipped. As always, if you want more gear news, check out the social handles. We are at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter and at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. 
And if you aren't following the handles, you should probably just do it for the free stuff that we keep giving away. The last few weeks, we gave away a dozen of the uh, PGA Championship-inspired, tailor-made TB5 Picks golf balls. Also gave away a limited edition Titleist Vokey V-Grind. That's a 9 V-Grind wedge. So if you like free stuff, probably a good reason to, to follow us on social media. And with that, let's get to this week's interview. We've got Rob Waters, as I mentioned. He's the PGA Tour Manager from Cleveland Tricks on Golf. He took us through Brooks Kepka's bag. Everything from the first time they met Brooks to how the deal to sign Brooks came about. What makes Brooks different than a lot of the other guys on the staff. And the tour validation that came with a win. The first major win as a Cleveland Tricks on Stafford. Enjoy the interview. All right, so Brooks Kepka is your 2023 PGA Championship winner. And there have been a lot of questions that I've received about the gear in his bag. And in my opinion, there's only one guy who's going to give me the lowdown. That is Rob Waters. He is the PGA Tour Manager for Cleveland Strikes on Golf. Rob, what's going on, man? How are you? Ah, doing great, thanks. Just uh, enjoying a victory. So I'm happy for Brooks and Team, team Kepka. And obviously, we're, as ambassadors, we're thrilled to death. Yeah, for sure. So I know every major win is very special for the guys here in the truck because you're sort of the unsung heroes, the ones that are working on the gear, making sure that it's dialed in for for the players. Where does this one rank for you of of the major wins that you've seen for guys that you've worked with on their gear? And where were you when when you saw them win on Sunday? Um, I was actually here in Fort Worth. Um, Just landed, got left DFW and rush to Fort Worth to like, get home and, or get back to the hotel and watch it. And it's exciting. I mean, he played great. He, he just, I mean, he dominated off the tee. His iron shots were spot on. Um, it was just fun to watch. I mean, the guy, when the guy's on, it's going to be tough to beat. And even the guys on Saturday night that were very critical from the media standpoint were saying he's going to be, he's a good front runner. And I mean, it just, it couldn't be happier for Brooks yeah. and Strickson. So Brooks signed with Cleveland Shrixon at the end of 2021. Right. He was a free agent before, but I know that that signing took a lot of people by surprise because Brooks had had a lot of success with, you know, a a pretty agnostic bag. Um, He put in the Shrixon irons, and that sort of was the impetus. Can you can you kind of walk me through like when was the first time that you all had an idea that maybe Brooks didn't just want to play your irons, but there was a possibility that, that it might want to do more. No, I, I go back a couple of years ago at American Express when he put the irons in play. Um, Rodney did Rodney McDonald um, did some testing with Brooks the week before and with the golf ball and wedges with all the equipment. He really liked the irons and came, came in to that event with the irons in play and wanted to put them through the test, and that's why he played the American Express. Um, we you know, gave him golf balls to test. He was at home, and he re- he worked with the ball for a couple of months and really found out what he liked about the golf ball. I mean, said can't, couldn't find anything wrong with it. So that's always a good thing. Um, it was a pretty easy process, to be honest with you. I mean, he, we didn't have to. I mean, we were there to support, but at the end of the day, Brooks was very happy with everything that he saw, from irons to wedges to golf ball and driver. So it was almost a year ago at the U.S. Open. I remember being there on site, and Brooks had an old driver. He had an old golf ball that he had used. And I remember reporting that week that he was, he was making some changes, and it, it seemed sort of fitting for Brooks. It's a major championship. You know, of course, he's going to try and use something that he's familiar with. Um, I remember getting a statement that week from Cleveland Shrek's on where they said, look, we're working with Brooks. We're not quite there on some new stuff, but but he is a, a huge part of, of the development of this next product line that we have coming out. Right. I got I gotta feel like for you, this win at the PGA Championship was was some valid validation that, there no for sure about the, the gear that you've worked on. What was that process like working with him? Where was he at, at last year at the US Open as far as testing that gear and, and how much has he played the development of that of the new product. And it's very huge in the development of the product. I mean, we, we listen to these guys and our R and D team listens to us and I mean we work very hard to get these players what they need. And I mean sometimes the transition from another company and playing a driver that you're familiar with and you know what happens on miss hits, you know, we, we 
we worked well together as a team and with R&D and with, with Brooks and the tour department to get everything that he needed. And it was a fun process. It wasn't a very difficult process. It was, I think after the open, it was like, okay, we can relax. Here we are with the golf ball. Here we are with the driver. And we, you know, you're always making tweaks and changes throughout the whole process. I mean, the last year has been, we've, we've tried a couple of different drivers, the low spin, the not, you know, the, the, the regular driver that's not low spin. And we've tried them all. And I mean, obviously he was injured a little bit and he had right. some health issues. And we fought through that with him. And, I mean, it, it's, it's nice to see him. We spent some time with him in Tucson um, with some drivers, got him out into the driver. And, you know, he's been playing well ever since. I think he's won one or two times and then the PGA Championship. So he's very, very happy with the equipment. So that's, you know, I mean, that's a win-win for everybody, especially him. Yeah. So w when it comes to the driver, that, that LS driver, that he's that he's using um i think back we did some robotic testing on it it feels like a bit of a unicorn <laughs> it it's it's incredibly stable off off the heel and the toe very very little distance drop off but it still has that low spin which you know typically you've got to have a trade-off you got to pull one lever right. or the other what was it for him about that driver as he was going through because trixon has three different models in the lineup you've got the zx5 ZX5 LS, and you've got the ZX7. What was it about that driver that the he way, really liked? I mean, Brooks is different because he hits down on the driver. Most of the guys on the PGA Tour hit up on the driver. So when you're hitting down and swinging left, um, you're going to spin it more. So we just had to we had to knock down the spins because it, he likes to see the ball go left to right, and he likes his, his go-to shot is really a flat cut. Mm. For most of us, we'd say it's a flat slice. Um, but you know, he'd rather see it go left to right in the right rough than anything going left. So it's finding that proper balance of spin and launch to be able, because he does launch it lower than most guys. We've got to have the spin on the driver for him to be able to hit the shape that he wants. But it was a, we spent two days with him in Tucson and we had, when we let, when we got done day two, he was like, this is the one. Yeah. So, you know, it's. It's always a process with these guys, and it, you know, I mean, I go back and look at some of the equipment changes in the past that other guys have made, and we all kind of, not that we all struggle, but there's always little tweaks and changes you're going to make along the way, but I think Brooks said that in, when we were out there, he said he loves the golf ball, he loves the wedges, he loves the irons, and he's very, very pleased with the driver at this point in time, which is great. It sounds like he's very low maintenance when it comes, when it comes to his, I mean, is that a fair he's assessment? Pretty, yeah, I mean, he... Once his back's set, he's pretty set, and I you probably have to chase him down. I don't get to go to many of the events out there on the yeah. low. And but he's once his bag is set, and he said, "You'd never see me again. I'm I'm, I'm done. I just yeah. want to go focus on what I need to focus on." With with him being out on on the live tour, do you all do more of your your time with him at? At home, do you send them product? Do you do you make appearances out Some there? Some of the stuff, of most of the stuff now is being built out there. Okay, so then, stuff so so he still has representation, right. like somebody that's helping him right. out there Absolutely. if he needs it. Yes. When it when he's testing, how much is he weighting the like the launch monitor numbers that he's seeing versus like the feel and the, the launch window? Like, what's is he? Is, I know some guys really is, pour over the data, he's, he's, and some guys he'll don't. Pour over the data, but he, he's a visual guy, and he's got windows that he wants to see the ball come out of. And as long as the numbers match the windows, he's fine. What about when it comes to like that? It seems like every tour pro has that one club in the bag that's difficult to to figure out. Like you got to spend more time on it than others. Was there one when you were working? on getting gear in the bag for him that was like, all right, this is going to take a little bit longer or, or maybe yeah. it just kind of worked out that way. It, you know, to be honest, it was pretty, I don't want to say it was easy. It was pretty, it was pretty simple though. I yeah. mean, there was nothing. We always had, every time we'd work with the driver, there would be something else that we needed to do and tighten up on. And I mean, and it, it's a process, man. I mean, it's, it, I wish we could just snap our fingers, come in the trailer, build something and go, here you go. Yeah. And sometimes it's that easy. And sometimes it's, it can be a little longer process. And I mean, we just had to find the right combination for him, right, right the correct weight placement in the head to get the CG to match up to the way he likes to swing it. Because he is very, like I said, I mean, Brooks has his unique way of playing golf. Mm -hmm. and he likes to see he's down left with the driver, and that's just not 
normal for what we're used to seeing out here. If, if you look at his his entire bag as a whole, is there anything that, from a build standpoint, that's like very like decidedly Brooks? Is there something that he does, whether it's like where does he put any glue inside the heads to try and like figure things out? Does he have any special grinds? Like, is there anything that just kind of has Brooks's fingerprint? The only thing that has his fingerprint on is, is our is the sixty degree wedge. Okay, he's just got a little. It's a different grind for him. A little bit wider sole, um, a little bit lower bounce. I mean, the guy's an exceptional chipper, and he pitches mm-hmm. the ball like no but no other. Um, and he has a certain feel that he wants the club to go through the ground and how he can control his trajectory and also hit the lop shot, hit the spinner, and do all the stuff. I mean, he's a magician around the green. It's fun to watch, yeah. no doubt. But, I mean, that's that's really the only thing. Everybody says, oh, what's you know what's custom about their stuff? I mean, right. you can buy his driver. Yeah. You can buy his irons. You can buy his wedges. But it's good to hear you say that, though, because I, I do think that a lot of golfers that watch him go, well, he's got to have – completely custom stuff his driver that he has is not going to be the one that you're going to buy the off way the his rack. driver is weighted up there's a lot of people who wouldn't be able to hit Brooks's driver. well you're you're <laughs> right you're right but 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 from a performance standpoint right yeah i mean it, same it's, driver it's head. the same driver head i mean we're very particular out here when we build i mean there's a certain swing weight we're trying to build all the lies and loss are checked spot on all the grips are weighed all the shafts are proper it's just but it's no different. I mean, I, it's, I don't want to say it's no different what you can buy off the rack. It's just right. way more precise on how it's how we put everything together. With as much feedback as Brooks is able to give, does does it feel like he enjoys being, you know, kind of hands on with this, or does he is he more of one of those guys who's like just here's kind of what I want, but just give me the product and let me go hit it. No, nah, he's he's pretty hands on. I mean, I enjoy working with Brooks because he's very honest. I mean, it's you know he's got a certain thing that he's looking for. Uh, you know, I mean, he's looking for a certain launch. He's looking for a certain window. He's looking for a certain spin, and we can work our way through that. I mean, it's, it's sometimes you get players that don't have any communication at all, and it's like, okay, I need a little bit of help from you. Where do we? What direction do we want to go? And Brooks pretty much tells us, "Hey, here's the direction I want. And here's what I expect from my driver, or here's what I expect from my irons." Right. So, I mean, that which is very helpful, very helpful. Remember talking to him. This is last year, and he he recalled the time that he's playing with Hideki, and this was like the moment for, with the golf ball where he realized he watched Hideki hit this shot and it just ripped through the wind, and he was like, "Man, my ball my ball can't do that." When when he started testing the the Z Star ball, how long does it take him to get acclimated? Like. How much? How much time are you spending with him versus how much is he just kind of testing with it on his own? And I think and a lot of it. Him? I mean, like I said, it, you know, prior to American Express a few years ago, Rodney went and spent some time with him, and he found a ball. He said, "I, you can take every. Here's some things I'm keeping, right? But I'm keeping this diamond ball because I want to work with this diamond ball." And he really liked the way it, it, it flighted, and he went home and did some testing, and he's just like, "Wow, I mean, this is my distance controls better. It's better in crosswinds. It's more stable and." And areas that I'm looking forward to be, and and you know he 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 said in Tucson, he goes, "This is the best ball I've ever played in my career, hands yeah. down." The ZX7 irons, is is he doing anything special with no. those? They're, so they're they're kind of like driver, like you said. Yeah. They're pretty much like stock, yeah, I mean, stock out stock. of the box. I mean, he's got X100. He's got a mid-sized grip. I mean, we, but again, links are pro- everything is just we're we're double checking everything before mm. it leaves the trailer. Yeah, I mean everything that comes out of this trailer or whatever happens down on the Live Golf Tour, their trailer, it's perfect. Yeah, it goes to Brooks to his spec. Yeah, with with his as far as his specs, I'm thinking more shaft here. But did, was there anything that had to be done to to keep him in the same shafts? I, I think he's still in the same. And he's still in the same, same shaft. Shafts. Good point. I mean, X100s and the irons. Yeah. he's got the Mitsubishi shaft and the driver. Yeah, but nothing. He didn't nothing. have to do anything. Did he no. test anything else when he was when he was first getting into the? We tried. We wanted to do some experimenting, but everything went back to what he's used to playing. So okay. he just had to make some tweaks and changes to the weighting, how we weighted the head with the glue, and, and that, that was pretty much the extent of it. What about the the lofts on his on his wedges? What's what's his gap setup right now? I'd have to look um, I, off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you. I think it's. I, I, I want to say. It, He's pretty much standard with the loss on the irons. 
I should probably know this since I'm interviewing you. And I probably should know this <laughs> since we do stuff. But in the same token, it's on my computer sitting out there. So he's 46 mid, 52 mid, 56 mid, 60 low. So that's interesting, though, because he does play. He plays a, a Cleveland RTX Zipcore in the 46 yeah. pitching wedge. And you don't see a ton of guys doing that. What's What was his reasoning behind you know adding what? the That was a the deal. That, and I got to be honest with you, Jonathan, that was a thing that he wanted to test. And it, yeah. it worked out. And he just put it in play, and we do have we do have quite a few guys out here that play the you know the play, play the Cleveland pitching wedge over the yeah. six on so, yeah. What what kind of feedback do you get from those guys on why they like that it over just, their set? It fits more into their scoring clubs, the profile and the shape, and this is something they're used to, they want to look at. Yeah, it, it's a it's a feel thing, it's a looks thing, it's hitting the number thing. I mean, it, it's there's no rhyme or reason. It's just this is what the player prefers. Yeah. So there's one club in the bag that everybody always talks about. It's not even a Cleveland Strixon club. It's the Nike. It's yeah. the Nike Long Iron. Have you guys tried to like bump that one from the bag, or do you just sit, do you just throw your hands up and say, yeah, you know, what, we've mean, got so he, many clubs in the bag. There you, were a you couple, get a little bit of wiggle room anyway. There were a couple things that he said to us in the beginning that he said my three wood's going to be hard to get out of play. Right. He said I'm not saying I won't test anything, mm. and he said this is the three iron is going to be a hard one, or the two iron is going to be a hard one to get out. We've we've done some testing. I mean, look. He won with the driver. He won with our Strixon irons. He won with the Cleveland wedges, and he won with their Z-Star Diamond golf ball. We couldn't ask for more. We couldn't be more excited. Yeah, uh, I'm. I know you guys are excited, and rightfully so. And again, congrats to Brooks, and thanks again for the time. Oh, my pleasure. Good to see you, bud. Yeah, you too. Thanks. And thanks again to Rob for the time. That'll do it for this week's episode of Fully Equipped. Thanks as always for listening. We'll see you around.